1: Free dessert for life at homeshefcom slash locked on. That's homeshef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life homeshef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert.
0: You are locked on Timberwolves, your daily Minnesota Timberwolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network.
2: Hello and welcome to the Locked On Wolves Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Ben Beacon. I am your host of Locked On Wolves. I'm also the co-editor of Dunking With Wolves, the Minnesota Timberwolves blog over at Fansided. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Today, I'd want to talk all things Josh Akogi. We're working through the roster on player snapshots. We've talked about DeAndre Russell, Jordan McLaughlin. We've talked about Malik Beasley, Jarrett Culver. Number five in the series is Josh Akogi the Timberwolves' soon-to-be third-year wing player. I'd like to discuss his pros and cons from the last year, really his first two years as a pro, his potential trade value. Could he be on the block if he is? What is he worth? His outlook on the Timberwolves in 2020, 21, and beyond, as we've been doing throughout for the first four guys in the series. We'll discuss his B-ball index profile. We'll get more into that here in just a little bit to break down his game a little bit further in a couple of uh, new ways that we haven't done yet before here on Locked on Wolves. Uh, first, a quick reminder, please subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google, wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at Locked on T-Wolves. That's at Locked on T-Wolves. Don't forget the T. All right, so Josh Kogi, he is of course in his, he will be in his third season in the league. He was the 20th overall pick of the 2018 NBA draft. He, was, he is the lone member outside of Carl Anthony Towns that remains on the Timberwolves roster that had been acquired by Tom Thibodeau and has survived the first, I guess, now almost 15 months. um, Haven't been any roster moves in the last three months. So the first year plus of Gerson Rosas' regime running the team. Um, Josh Akogi, as a rookie, was basically you could sum up that season by just playing the clip of him blocking James Harden at the end of the shot clock on the ESPN nationally televised game in like February or March of of his rookie year. It was an awesome play. It's what everybody remembered him by, he went on NBA TV and explained how he executed that play to, to a national audience later that summer, um, and that was kind of his his thing. And he was a really good defender as a rookie, but overall as a rookie, he was just okay. It was really his energy, his promise on defense that was so impressive. Year two, if anybody expected a massive jump from him, they didn't really get it. They just got a more solid all-around game. He played within himself more on offense. His three-point attempts actually decreased while a lot of guys on the team, they increased. Instead, he was trying to get to the basket more. He was cutting more. He was scoring in transition. His overall shooting effectiveness went up his effective field goal percentage, his true shooting percentage. He improved at the free throw line. He got to the line more often. Um, You could argue he took a a mini step back on defense, but that also was a team learning a new scheme under a new head coach, a new defensive coordinator in David Vanterpool. So there's a little bit of noise there as well. Uh, But his offensive game improved because, again, he stayed within himself. So I want to dive into that a little bit more, dissect what the numbers tell us about Akogi's offensive game, the areas that he's good at on defense, the areas where maybe he struggled a little bit, uh, but it's it's very clear that he improved a little bit um, from year to year, year one to year two, excuse me, in his uh, NBA career. Of 62 games in his second NBA season, he started 28, averaged 25 minutes a game. His per game averages 8.6 points. rebounds, shooting splits just under 43% from the field, 26.6% from beyond the arc, which is actually worse than uh, basically 28% as a rookie free throw percentage improved to just under 80%. Um, Akogi's role on the team, again, he started uh, not quite half the games he appeared in. He was kind of a bouncing back and forth. Him and Jarrett Culver were kind of both in and out of the lineup, depending on who was healthy early in the season between Jeff Teague, Shabazz Napier was out for a while. So Culver was running some point guard. Um, Akogi, probably with this roster, and I want to get into the outlook on, on his future role, uh, but, but, but prior to the hiatus, Akogi had started like the last 15 games or so prior to the hiatus, Of course, the Wolves weren't good during that period of time, but he was starting alongside Malik Beasley on the wing. And they had a little bit of chemistry in the half court, uh, more so in the open court. Um, And he had a couple of really solid games. Um, again, playing within himself, not shooting the ball too much, but being being impactful when he got the opportunity to score and also just being a solid defender. As we talked about the other day, Malik Beasley isn't exactly an all-defensive candidate. He's not a great defender, and he's smaller than Akogi. Um, they're the same height, but Akogi's got a more impressive wingspan, has more of that defensive track record. And Akogi's role on this team, because there aren't any other, I mean, Jarek Culver is really the only other wing player that you could say is an above average defender. Um, Jake Lehman's mostly going to play the four. He can switch on to threes. Okay. You know, Juancho Hernan Gomez, kind of the same thing, more of a four that can guard some threes in a pinch. But in terms of a switchable wing that can guard twos and threes and also ones, Josh Akogi and Jarek Culver are the only two guys that can do this, do that on this roster. Malik Beasley's limited. Obviously, D'Angelo Russell's limited. Keelan Martin hasn't proven it on a consistent basis if he's even back next year. Same thing with Jalen Noel. He's likely back next year, but hasn't proven anything and isn't thought of as a def- defense first guy by any means. Jacob Evans is a good defender. I'd be surprised if he's on the team next year, although he does have a guaranteed contract, but wouldn't shock me if he was, if they moved on from him in some way. Um, but he's not going to see minutes on this team. So you're looking at a and Culver as your candidates to start. If you buy into Malik Beasley returning next year, either a or Culver is going to be part of the starting lineup. The other day we talked about Jarrett Culver and I said that I thought he would come off the bench as kind of the initiator of the second unit, him and Jordan McLaughlin can kind of split those duties. Culver could get the opportunity to play a little bit with the first unit, but I think Akogi's a better fit as a starter with this particular group simply because of his defensive upside. His, uh, he's more polished as a professional already than Jarrett Culver. And he's also a better cutter than Jarrett Culver. He can cut off the ball. He can get open in the half court in that sense. Um, and while Culver still has a higher ceiling and a better, in theory, a better overall all-around game, Akogi's a better fit for this particular lineup. He can score easily in transition. Um, he needs to improve his spot-up shooting, which we'll get to in a moment. But I think he's still a fit in the starting lineup and clearly the fifth option out of five guys, no matter who your starters at the two and the four are, he's going to be the fifth scoring option. But as long as he can be potent in transition and understand how to cut and move without the ball in the half court, I think that, that Akogi makes the most sense as a starter with this team. All right, before we get into specific pros and cons related to Josh Akogi, let's talk about our friends at CBDMD. It doesn't matter if you're a professional athlete, a stay-at-home parent, or if you spend eight hours a day in an uncomfortable office chair, everyone needs support to make it through the day. Luckily, our friends at CBDMD have an amazing duo that can help you relax, regroup, and recharge when life gets chaotic. CBD Freeze with Menthol is an award-winning product that offers instant cooling relief for muscles and joints in a convenient and easy-to-use roller or shareable squeeze tube. CBD Recover combines CBD with inflammation-fighting compounds like Arnica and vitamin B6 to give you the support you need where it matters most. And to make it even easier to try this amazing duo of topicals and everything else CBDMD has to offer, they're offering all of our listeners 25% off your next order when you use the promo code NBA at checkout. Once again, that's CBDMD.com, promo code NBA, for 25% off your purchase of
0: superior CBD oil products from CBDMD. This is Jake from Locked On. Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. After beating the Heat, led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time.
2: kind of the fifth starter, the guy who plays between Malik Beasley and whoever the four is, whether it's Juancho Hernan Gomez or James Johnson or Obi Toppin or whoever ends up being the four in the starting lineup for the Timberwolves, Akogi best fits as a three. I should mention that in a perfect world, on a playoff team, on certainly a championship contender, Akogi is kind of a, a an energy bench guy who can come in and play 15, 20 minutes a game, play all out, um, get some dunks in transition and guard the opposing team's best couple of wing guys. That's what his ideal role would be on this year's Minnesota Timberwolves team, barring an unforeseen massive trade. He will be a starter and I think should be a starter with Culver coming off the bench. So I want to be clear in a perfect world scenario. If the Wolves improve rapidly over the next couple of years, a Kogi's more of a bench guy than a starter. But on this team, he is a starter. All right. We already know that the best thing that Josh Kogi does is he plays one-on-one defense very well. He plays in the team concept. Well, he shoots gaps, gets steals, um, can You know, is really good at at staying down on defense. Doesn't commit a ton of fouls on pump fakes, um, although there were some issues with that last year. But that's his primary, his bread and butter. He's an above average defender, almost no matter how you slice it. Some of the metrics were a little bit down on him last year compared to his rookie season. But I think that was certainly more due to him taking on the tougher assignments. Year one, um, you know, the first few games of his rookie year, he didn't play. Jimmy Butler was on the team. Then Andrew Wiggins was getting tougher assignments. Last year, it was all Josh Akogi. The toughest defensive assignments went to Josh Akogi, and he held his own more often than not. Again, there were some issues. I think he got block happy at some points. Um, Occasionally, he'd get into foul trouble. But for the most part, he moves his feet well, doesn't defend with his hands too much, and is solid defensively, both on and off the ball. Offensively, he is a good cutter. He he improved as a cutter last year. He's also really good in transition. Um, is is quick and athletic. Straight line drive to the rim in transition. Can dunk. Can finish with both hands decently in traffic. Sometimes he gets a little bit of out of control in the half court if he's if he's cutting or if he's even trying to attack off the dribble. As we transition to cons, an area where he struggled that I do think he's improving is attacking off the dribble, and that's that's his you know pump fake. Although most guys aren't going to fall for his pump fake since he shot like twenty six percent from beyond the arc, but trying to get into the paint, he's certainly not creating. He's not a playmaker, but if he can take a couple quick dribbles and go up strong in the paint, then um, he's seen some success doing that. He's improved in that sense. Um, his biggest con right now is his jump shot. Um, and obviously he's not a playmaker. The wolves don't need him to be one, uh, but his jump shot is the biggest issue. He actually regressed in terms of his spot up shooting last year. Uh, but his overall field goal percentage improved, um, while his three point percentage dropped. And we'll get into that and why that might be here in just a moment. Um, also some of the consistency issues on defense, um, I put under the cons category. I already kind of mentioned that. I think, I think sometimes he, uh, He kind of bought into, you know, trying to make the superstar type play, the big block shot or whatever, when he would be better served playing solid defense Um, occasionally. And he's not the only guy to do this, certainly not on the Timberwolves, but getting caught cheating one way or the other. um, There's some consistency issues there that he really needs to kind of iron out a little bit if he wants to be seen as a true top flight defender in terms of how he improved his offense specifically. It, it, if you just kind of look at his his shooting percentages, his rate-based statistics, where he was shooting the ball on the floor, it paints a pretty clear picture. Joshua Akogi was getting into the paint and shooting at the rim more often. Um, in his rookie season, only 31.5% of his shot attempts came from within three feet of the basket. In his second year in the league, 40.5%. So an increase of 9% of his shots were coming from within three feet. Um, also, his three-point rate went down from 42 as a rookie to 38.7% last year. Usually that would be a bad thing for a Kogi. It's not because first of all, he's not a good three point shooter. Second of all, his free throw rate went way up from just under 32% as a rookie, meaning basically he shot 0.3 free throws for every field goal attempt. He, he shot this last year. It was, it was 0.48. So for every field goal attempt, he shot, he was essentially getting half of a free throw. For a player like a Kogi, who's not a good jump shooter, he's not a good three-point shooter, and he's a solid, you know, close to 80% free throw shooter, that's a really, really good sign. That means he's understanding how important it is to get into the paint. It means he's attacking in transition. It means he is putting the ball on on the floor a little bit more and or receiving the ball on the half-court offense as a cutter, getting, you know, one dribble up to the basket, getting a foul, finishing through contact and making his free throws when he's at the line. And those things are all very significant. The decrease in three-point rate, the increase in free throw rate, the increase in the number of shots he was making or attempting at the rim. Um, His actual shot percentage at the rim went up a little bit too by about one percentage point. Um, He also was shooting the ball more from three to 10 feet. Um, It went up from just under 12% of his shot attempts from three to 10 feet to 17.6% from three to 10 feet. So, I mean, you look at what he did last season That's 58% of his shot attempts were from within 10 feet of the rim. And that's exactly what you want from Josh Kogi. Yes, it shows that he has limitations within the half-court offense, but we know that already. We want him to stay within himself, play solid defense, use his energy there, score in transition, get to the free-throw line. When he's wide open, he's got to knock down a three, and that was a huge issue. On the negative side, Josh Kogi in his rookie season shot 34% excuse me, 34% of his three-point attempts were from the corner and he made them at 31.5%. This last year, those numbers kind of flipped and less than 30% of his three-point attempts were from the corner, but he made 35% of them. His non-corner threes were disastrous because overall for the season, he shot 26.6% from three. So above the break, he was awful on three-point attempts. What Kogi needs to be doing is spending his time parked in the corner. If he's wide open, he needs to knock down that three. 35% from the corner is fine. If he can make one of those out of three attempts every game, that'll work. Um, on top of that, cutting baseline, Akogi saw some success, whether it be alley finishes, whether it be getting drop off passes from, you know, D'Angelo Russell or somebody driving Akogi can finish in the paint and the wolves need to find opportunities to, to put Akogi somewhere on the floor where he can be a decent spot up shooter, which is basically the corners. And also, um, you know, find, find an advantageous way for him to, to cut to the rim, to find open space on the floor, which again, I think he improved significantly on this past year. Overall, and I want to get into the B ball index numbers here next, which which really paint an interesting story um, on both ends of the floor for Josh Kogi. He improved from year one to year two. There's no question about it. He was a better rebounder. He was a little bit. I mean, he's not a playmaker, but he he his assist rate was up significantly. Um, and he, while he struggled overall from beyond the arc, he started to understand his role within the Wolves' offense. And I think that there is a solid role for him as a fifth starter for this team and hopefully a couple of years down the road as kind of a seventh or eighth energy seventh or eighth guy off the bench uh, or seventh or eighth guy in the rotation rather and an energy guy a defensive guy the ability to hopefully hit a three wide open at league average rate and also score a little bit in transition. That's his ideal role, and I think he's trending towards that. Remember, he was twenty-one this last year. He's just about to turn twenty-two on September first. So there's still some upside here. I, I think it's probably limited to being a really good role player, and maybe it's a it's a it's a starter on a playoff team. Um, but what he is right now is is basically what the Wolves need out of a of a guy on the wing, a defense-first guy who can uh, score in transition. And understand his role and hopefully improve his shooting um, here moving forward. All right, let's get into the B ball index numbers. But before we do that, say it with me now sports are back, baby. I've been waiting for this day since March. Now that it's here, I've only got one thing on my mind that's my bookie. My bookie is a home run a slam dunk, a triple overtime, game-winning shot, all wrapped up into one. I love it, you love it, and that should be all you need to hear in order to start betting today. My bookie has up-to-the-minute odds on all your favorite teams, and with the start of Major League Baseball just a couple of weeks ago, there's never been a better time to start playing. With MyBookie, it's easy. You bet, you win, and they pay. Feeling good about your team's chances this year? Be sure to check out MyBookie's World Series future bets. Nothing shows you believe in your squad like betting on them before the season's even begun. But why stop with baseball? Smart bettors are always looking towards the future. And in this case, that means basketball, hockey, and football. MyBookie is already accepting bets on all your favorite NHL and NFL games. And of course, the NBA season now is a couple weeks back underway as well. There's never been a better time to start exploring the world of online sports betting. Join today and MyBookie will match your deposit 100%. Plus, they'll toss you a free $10 MLB future wager. All you got to do is enter promo code LOCKEDONNBA when signing up. Remember, at MyBookie, the terms are simple. You bet, you win, they pay.
3: No matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax experts make them count. Did you say no to a big wedding and elope at the county courthouse? That's a move. Did you go back to school to get your degree? That's a move. Did you relocate for a fresh start? They'll make them count. See guarantee details at TurboTax.com guarantees. Experts only available with TurboTax Live.
2: All right, let's get into the B-Ball index numbers for Josh Akogi. If you've listened to the past few shows, you know what these are, but I'm going to give the quick the quick rundown very quickly. Um, of course, the Bball index numbers uh, comes from bball-index.com. Their innovative data tools and 500-plus player profiles are available to you for just 5 bucks a month or $50 a year over at bball-index.com or bball-index.com. So, the B-ball index, there's a couple things that they do. One is they break down each aspect of every player's game um, that had enough minutes over the past year and put them in different percentiles. And then we're able to kind of see how they stack up. They actually give them a letter grade based on their percentile and their position. Um, and so that's, that's fascinating. So I want to go through that. And then I want to talk about his badges, which is another thing that they do similar to the NBA 2K badges, where a player, if he's a great shot blocker, he gets that badge, gold, silver, bronze, etc. So for Josh Kogi. His perimeter shot of the players ranked for the Timberwolves as part of uh, uh, the player profiles, there's 10 that had enough minutes to qualify that are on the Timberwolves roster. Joshua Kogi finished with a 17th percentile on his perimeter shot, 17.4% to be exact, graded as an F. The next worst on the Timberwolves, Jarrett Culver, was a C, 53%. That's crazy to consider that Josh Akogi's percentile was 17%. Jared Culver's was 53% on perimeter shot. Um, I should also mention he's classified as an athletic finisher as his offensive role. I would agree with that. Um, I guess anything related to transition would have uh, would have worked for me as well. Um, Off-ball movement, though, as we alluded to earlier, he is a good cutter off the ball, and that's something he's really improved on. 83.5%, 83rd percentile. That's an A- minus according to B-ball index. Again, for reference, because Jarrett Culver is the other guy that could potentially start at the three. Culver was 48th percentile, was rated as a C. Joshua Kogge is an A- minus according to B-ball index. One-on-one, when he puts the ball on the floor this year, he was 84th percentile and A-. minus. Finishing at the rim, 66th percentile, that's a B- minus according to B-ball index. So maybe a little bit lower than I would have expected, but still uh, not a bad mark. And if he's your fifth option on offense and he's finishing at the rim at a B- minus rate, you're okay with that. As a playmaker, Akogi's number is actually 78.4%, which is a B plus. That surprised me quite a bit. I did not think he would rate that well as a playmaker when looking at these numbers. Perimeter defense was only a B-, minus, 65th percentile, Believe it or not, it was still tied for the best mark on the Timberwolves with James Johnson, not really a surprise, and Omari Spellman, who, of course, those minutes all came with the Golden State Warriors. Jordan McLaughlin actually finished slightly ahead in the 68th percentile and a B, um, but again, that was a little bit more limited, only 30 games or so, and it was uh, primarily against point guards. Josh Okogi had a B-minus 65th percentile. For a little bit of context, Jarrett Culver was 56th percentile, C+, so about nine percentage points behind Josh Akogi. As a rebounder, a cookie rated A minus, 84th percentile, and offensive rebounding C plus defensive overall, a B rebounder, 66th percentile. Um, So this tells us a lot of things. The playmaking mark was the one that was most surprising to me. It also shows he was a little bit overrated defensively. As I alluded to earlier, I do think a lot of that's because of the matchups that he was going up against. Um, So I think this balances that out a little bit compared to some of the metrics that maybe were even a little bit more unkind to Akogi. Um, His perimeter shot is abysmal, 17%. 17th percentile is obviously horrendous. Um, And then his off-ball movement, this kind of confirms what we already knew, that he's good at moving without the ball. And I bet if we went back and looked at his, his rookie year in the NBA, that's something that has significantly improved from year one to year two. All right. Badges are the other thing I want to talk about that B-Ball Index does that are really cool. Um, The only badge that Okogi has is pickpocket. And I'm going to read the definition of that here in a moment, although I guess you could could probably come pretty close to guessing the definition, but we'll talk about the methodology behind it. He has a silver badge, um, which is significant. Silver is essentially, it's worth three points in their ranking system. A bronze is worth one. So it's like the same as having three bronze medals, essentially. Um, And the... The uh, description of what pickpocket is, according to B-Ball Index, is um, uh, the definition, obviously. This badge seeks to identify good perimeter defenders whose good on-ball defense results in in on-ball steals, so basically they take the perimeter defense, um, the loose ball steal rate, and then they eliminate small. They eliminate small sample size uh, by putting a, a minimum uh, loose ball steals in there. And he grades out as one of the better in the league at being a pickpocket. Uh, we know that about Akogi. We also know he's good at jumping passing lanes. He's a good shot blocker. Um, all those things are are still true about Josh Akogi, even as he saw some of those metrics backslide a little bit. Some of the more general metrics backslide from year one to year two in the league. Um, so in summary on Josh Okogi, I think he's the Timberwolves fifth starter this year, barring an unforeseen trade or, uh, an unforeseen draft pick, I guess, depending on how that all plays out. I think long-term he's best suited as an energy guy off the bench. One of the team's, you know, best two or three perimeter defenders, uh, a guy who can hopefully knock down an open three and open corner three, at least score and transition with ease, be a dynamic cutter when called upon within the half court offense, and just be a generally solid all around player, a good energy guy and a really good defender. That's exactly what Josh Kogi is. It's exactly what I think he'll give the Timberwolves as a fifth starter this year. um, Potentially somebody coming off the bench. And I do think he improves again. I think he becomes something close to a league average player this year as he starts to understand how to stay within himself be a solid pro and deliver what Ryan Saunders and, and the Timberwolves are looking for out of a Akogi. So, I mean, if you get all that from a third year guy who just turned 22 and he was your 20th overall pick a couple of years ago, um, I don't know, I guess there's nothing left to say, but thanks to Tom Thibodeau for, for picking Josh Akogi, right? All right. We, we won't go that far, but, um, Having a Kogi on the roster is going to be a positive thing this year. I'd be surprised if he was moved. We didn't really talk about trade value. He has some because he's got cost certainty and he's affordable right now, but he's only a couple years out from needing to get paid more. Um, so I would be willing to bet he's got as much trade value as Derek Culver, even though Culver still has higher upside. Culver more expensive um, and there's a lot more variance with Culver. You kind of already know what you're going to get with a Kogi. And he could still improve. So um, I'd be surprised if the Wolves traded a Kogi this offseason. I think Culver is more, a more likely bet to get moved on from at some point um, in the next few months than Josh Akogi is. All right, that's all we have for you today. The rest of this week, we're going to keep going through player snapshots. We're going to go through the rest of the roster. We're going to start looking towards draft coverage as the lottery is only nine days away as of this recording. So looking forward to that. Thanks once again for listening to the Lockdown Wolves podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Remember, the Lockdown Network is your local experts on the biggest stories. Subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google, wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at LockdownTWolves. That's at LockdownTWolves. Don't forget the T. Once again, I'm Ben Beacon. This is the Lockdown Wolves Podcast, and we'll catch you next time.
0: Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Lockdown podcast ad-free on Amazon Music.